Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. And I want to start just talking a little bit about the scarcity mindset. Anyone here struggle with that sometimes? Not sure I've got enough. And when you're a kid, you don't struggle with that, do you? Someone hands you a pack of lollies, you're just like, yes, it's gone in three seconds. There was no fear of scarcity. There was just joy of the moment. I took my kids to the Steadford last night, three hours sitting still, and I thought a great idea would be to bring lots of packet of lollies um, and just hand them out to them frequently. And I, and I was all strategic about it until about an hour in when they were all bouncing on the chairs. And I was like, maybe I should have had more of a scarcity mindset in this moment rather than giving my children high amounts of sugar and telling them to sit still. Um, anyway, they were very good, by the way. But it's funny because we're different, aren't we? And as we grow up, we think we've got to get better at using our resources. Hey, we think, I've got this thing, I've got, to, I've got to treasure it. I've got to know that it's valuable. And I will say that in my family, I'm probably still more of the childlike variety and Steve is probably more on the end of, you know, strategic conservation. Um, I'm just going to put it in a really positive frame. Um, I use an example. We have a bottle of Moet in our fridge. We were given it three years ago. Um, quite a few significant things have happened since then. I, if you know us, you'll know about them. But nothing's quite made the cut for the Moet. Uh, it's still in the fridge. I've realized this is actually more than just a one-off thing. It's a bit of a, a recurring principle in Steve's life, exemplified by the fact that on our honeymoon, we bought a bottle of wine to drink after one year of marriage, then we missed that milestone and we went, oh no, 10 years. Now it's been in there for 17 years, and it's not about scarcity anymore, it's about that thing's probably disgusting. Um, but. But it can be a funny thing, can't it? Like we can get so caught up in when's the right time to use something or is it, is it special enough now or will I have enough? We can get so caught in that and then we can apply that principle across to our faith. We can accidentally take a worldly principle that is good and true and has some important parts about it. I'm not advocating eating all your lollies at once. But we can take that and apply it to the spirit. We can think, is it enough? Have I got enough? Is it the right time to use it? Is it too special for right now? But I want to talk today about you are never going to run out. You're never going to run out. And I want to read a story from Kings about Elijah. It's actually the first story that's told about Elijah. Um, And so I'll actually read from the screen because I have a different version. So it says this in 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah, who was from Tisbe in Gilead, told King Ahab... As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So he was declaring, his first act on earth, he declared a drought. He's a super popular guy. Um, No. And then a little bit later it says this, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. And there'll be another slide. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Fair enough. 
But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Pretty cool story, right? Pretty cool story. But I want to just unpack it a bit because there's a few things that happen in it that are a bit unusual. First of all, it says that God actually spoke to the widow. He prepared her. But what was she preparing to do? She was preparing to die. But she was willing to be interrupted in her moment of grief, in her moment of lack, to be interrupted by a guy who just turned up and said, excuse me, could you please feed me? Now she states the fact, I don't have enough to feed you. I don't have bread. I have a tiny bit. I have enough for a last supper. And he says, that's fine. Go and do that. But before you do that, do the impossible. Before you provide for yourself, provide for me as God's spoken to you. God's put a word in your heart. Do that and then there'll always be enough left over. Now that's awesome, but there's an uncomfortable part of that because he doesn't say, go back to your kitchen, everything's going to be full up and there'll be plenty. He says, go and cook something first. Go do the impossible and then I'll provide. He says, go empty your stores, but there'll be enough left over. You have enough left over. You have enough left over when you give out. Now, I tell you what, category number one here, I friggin' hate that. I hate it. I hate that God doesn't want me to give out of my fullness. I want to be filled up. Who comes to church hoping, okay, today, today, Murray's going to preach, Meg's is going to sing, I'm going to be full up, and at the end, I'll be prophesying all the way to the supermarket. Everyone will get, you know, like that's, in my mind, that's what happens. But God, he knows my heart. He knows that it's only when I'm at the end of myself, it's only when I use the last bit of bread, that's when I really let go of my scarcity mentality. That's when I really give up my self-reliance. And that's when I see the power of the Holy Spirit move. Hey, why? Aren't we annoying humans? Couldn't we just get with the program and like live out of the fullness? But I just feel like God knows me better than that. He knows I'm stubborn and he knows that when he pushes me hard, that's when I see him move. And you know what? Over my life, those have been the times that God's changed and shaped my heart. When at the end of myself, I saw God do something incredible through me and I knew it wasn't me because I knew there was no way I could have done that thing. I have a friend who came home from the hospital yesterday. She spent the night there with her daughter getting her x-rayed. They had a night, she was all week on camp, this kid, then they went all night to the emergency, um, waiting to get her wrist x-rayed. And while she was sitting there, she was just enjoying people watching, she said to me. And she said, she was just looking around thinking, oh well, I'm stuck here. She ended up there till 5.30 a.m. I'm just stuck here, I'll just watch people. 
And she was sitting there and there was a little kid there who hadn't eaten for days, was really lethargic and dehydrated. They couldn't get him to eat anything. And this hospital chaplain just rocks over to these parents and says, hey, can I pray for you? Big black African guy. Oh, hi. You know, can I just pray for you? And these people are like, yeah, sure. And he just lays hands on these kids and prays for him. And the kid just perks up. And the guy says, do you want to eat some biscuits? And mum's like, he's not going to eat those. And the kid's like, yeah, thanks. He just eats the biscuits. And the mum's like, what the heck? And the kid starts running around the room, really happy and energetic. And the mother gets up, packs up and goes home. Doesn't even wait to go to emergency. And I was like, here's this mum sitting in that room, empty. Here's this chaplain. He doesn't know these people. He has no way of fixing this kid. But in that moment, those two people witnessed the power of God moving for that little kid. And it just encouraged me again, like, are we willing to be there in the middle of the night when we're tired, when we've been on camp all week, to see the power of God move? Because I want to. Not when I'm tired at 12.30. I don't want to. (laughs) But I want to be there when the power of God moves. I want to see that. Do you want to see that? And so I love this story, and I love that it goes on, and it says... She says, I don't have any bread. Um, I'm planning to die. He says, don't be afraid. First, go and make it. And then afterwards, after the story, it says, she went away and did as Elijah told her. Good, good first move, obedience. Um, and then it says this. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. And I want to know, at what point did she realize there was always going to be enough? Like, on the first day, did she just feed Elijah? Did she not even go back for her son? Like, well, I've given the end of it. And then she thought, what the heck? I'm going to go check. Is there some more? She found there's a little bit more. And she thought, oh, great. I'll make some for my son. I want him to live. And then she thought, oh, there's a little bit more. And she made herself some. And then she was like, there's more. And she called her nan, you know, her mum. Mum, come over. It's it's okay. I can make you some bread. And then she called her extended family. And suddenly she had enough for everyone. Not because she was full and overflowing, not because she was particularly generous, but because she kept trusting God and kept going back and looking for just enough, using what was left. I love that Elijah says that. Just use what's left and it will keep being enough. The Holy Spirit is that for you today. If you're willing to go back to the places that you think are empty, the places that you're thinking are running out, if you're willing to go back in faith, the Holy Spirit has the power to make it enough. You don't. 100% you don't. I don't. But the Holy Spirit has that power. And I want to just disrupt this a little bit for a minute. I want to show you something that this reminded me of. Um, so, uh, Mitch, if you could, or whoever's playing the video, if you could just play. Hey, look at this. What is it? An old lamp, I think. 3,000 years and that. How dull. You know the deal? Three wishes and all that? Three, huh? All right. I want a packet of Tim Tams that never runs out. You have two wishes left. Then we'll have two more of those. Aren't it Tim Tam? What more could you want? Hey, look at this. What more could you want, hey? Well, I'd like to talk about a miracle that happened in my house today. Um, Steve, the scarcity mindset, said... That's a great analogy. Let's give everyone Tim Tams. Now, I know, right? Now, in my mind, I thought Steve was going to buy like five packets, you know, like, because it's Steve. 
Um, and uh, yeah, his niece is cheering. She knows what I'm saying. Um, but he came back with 792 Tim Tams. Uh, so not quite never-ending, uh, especially not for you kids in the front row. Uh, but you know, there's at least two for everybody here. But I love that ad because I love the ludicrousness of it. I love that it's all about something so wonderful that it actually used to annoy me because I was like, why would you ask for three packets that never run out? Because if you've got one that never run, whatever. But they were like, it is not enough of a good thing. Like, Tim Tams, who doesn't want a Tim Tam? You all want a Tim Tam now that I'm anyway. Yeah. Um, but what if we treated the Holy Spirit like a packet of Tim Tams that never ran out? Because what I'd never thought about, about that ad before is, what if they left it on the bench? What if this was the packet of Tim Tams that never ran out? And they just put it in the fridge or put it on display. It became a symbol of an amazing experience in their life. You remember that time God, God gave us the packet of Tim Tams that never ran out? Yeah, that was awesome. The power of the Holy Spirit is only good and you only see it refill and you only see it given out if you use it, if you eat it, if you give it away. And so I like this idea. I wish that there was like a follow-up ad um, when Kate Blanchett had become famous and it wasn't the 90s anymore. But in the follow-up ad, I imagine them at a dinner party and they're just like, like, and they're just Tim Tams, you know, like when you see the money machines, like, like there's Tim Tams everywhere. Because if you have a packet of Tim Tams that never runs out, the faster you empty it, the more you get. Imagine if we were like that with the Holy Spirit. The faster I can empty myself, the more the world's going to get. Wow. Like, I don't know about you, but that, I'm like, I don't live that way. I don't live that way. Murray, you can't eat them just by taking a photo of them. Um, Helmet, he goes here. He's the pastor. He gets the Tim Tam. Um, no. But, you know, how cool is that? What if we lived like we couldn't run out? But there's a question in there, isn't there? Because in that ad, how does it happen? As a magic genie. We don't have a magic genie. Well, I don't know. Maybe one of you is holding out on us. But, um, but we have a God of power. We have a God that, if he did want to, could make me a, a packet of Tim Hams that never runs out. Um, we actually have a God who is full of miraculous power. And as I started to think about this week, I realized, I started to think about impossible things. I started to think about why does God say things that are not possible with man are possible with God? Hey, it's a scripture we've all said before, right? The scripture you've seen engraved on cups of wrong. Um, nothing's impossible with God. And it happens over and over again. You know, it happens in Mark 9 when the, the rich young ruler asks, you know, oh no, sorry, in Mark 9 it's talking about um, the boy with a demon and it says, you know, can you please heal him, God, and, and if you can, help us. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And then when Mary finds out she's pregnant with Jesus, she says, how can this be possible? And the angel says to her, for nothing is impossible with God. And then in Luke 18, when there's the um, rich young ruler, and he says, how can I get into heaven? And Jesus says, you know, obey all the commandments, give away everything, come follow me. And he leaves. The disciples say, what? How, how can anyone become a Christian if that, it's that hard? 
And Jesus says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Now, I know that, right? We've all heard that before. And it can, I don't know about you, but sometimes those familiar scriptures can get a little bit, they can get a bit Tim Tam on the shelf. Nothing's impossible for God except my finances. Um, Nothing's impossible for God except that person I really don't want to forgive because she really hurt me. Um, we can do that a bit. And, and as I looked into this, I found out that the Greek word for impossible is actually adinatos. I'm going to mispronounce it. Adinatos. Which actually means lacking power. So actually... That scripture isn't about anything not possible without God. It's talking about without power, without enabling. You can't do anything. So with God, with the Holy Spirit, you have the power to do something. And it's kind of like this. Have you ever been to an op shop? I'm an op shop addict. Um, Have you ever been to an op shop and there's like electric items on the bench? And you're like, well, I can't buy that. I don't know if they work. And then they put a little tag on it and it says tested and working. And you know by that that when you plug it at home, it's going to work. That thing, that light, works. But it doesn't work when you're there, does it? Like, this is a working light, I trust. You know, you are all the light of the world. But if you're not plugged into the power source, you don't turn on. You're a light. You are all a light. You are all built to shine. You are all built to give. You were built to serve. You were built to love people unconditionally. You were built for all those things, plugged into the socket, plugged into the adinatos. You were built to be dinatos. And that same word, that power word, that's the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. The dinatos, the dunamos, the dunamai, there's all these variants of it. And it's the same word that dynamic and dynamite come from. We were built to live with the dynamite of the Holy Spirit going off in us, blowing the chains off people. And if the Holy Spirit does this, he does it in weird, wacky ways. Who knows that? Who's seen the God do just weird things to change people's lives? And if we're open to it, if we're saying nothing's impossible, if I have power in my life, I can obey Jesus into the weird and the wonderful because I love him, because I love his word, and because with them in my back pocket, I can bring freedom to the prisoners. And I was thinking about this power, and this impossibility, and this enough principles. And when we were praying this morning, um, Kaz said something, and I hope you don't mind me quoting you, Kaz. Um, she said, if you've got something on your heart, don't leave it there. And it just got me thinking, If you've got something in your jar, leave it there. If you've got something in your packet, don't leave it there. If you've got something on your heart, don't leave it there. And what this looks like day to day, for me, I'm probably more of the free-flowing type. For me, sometimes it means at the supermarket, just praying for random people or just paying for their groceries or pulling over on the side of the road and offering a stranger a lift or turning around and going to a different cafe because I just have a sense that I should be at a different cafe. You know, a lot of the time, nothing happens. You, you didn't think I was going to say that then. You thought I was going to be like, I'm the power of God. Lots of the times, I'm just nice to people and they look at me like I'm a Fruit Loop. <laughs> I once prayed for a girl in an airport who 
I saw her and I just had this real, like, word of God about her father and a freedom that God wanted to bring to her. And I was like, heck no. Um, and kept, what you know those horrible lines where you keep going? And so she kept coming past. Um, anyway, we, so we got the whole way through. I was perfectly belligerent about the whole thing. And we were filling in our cards at the end, and she'd left a book. And I knew it was her book because I'd seen her so many times. I recognized it. It's like, fine. Um, so I picked up the book. That's going to be on the video now, me talking like a Nazgul. Um, I picked up the book and I was like, walked up to this complete stranger and said, hello, I think this is your book. Actually, I know it's your book. I've been stalking it. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> um, this is your book and I just wanted to tell you, I don't know if this is, you know, anything, but I, you know, did put all the caveats in and I was just like, I feel like this sense from God that God's doing this thing about your dad and he wants to speak to you and I shared with her for about two minutes. And legit, the whole time she's looked at me like I was a full-blown nut job. Like, it was, anyway. And then at the end of it, her boyfriend leaned over and he was just like, thank you so much. And they walked off. And I was like, I don't know if that was true or not, or what just happened, or if that was just an act of disciplining Maddie for being recalcitrant, you know, like. But, but in that moment, who cares? What if it had worked? What if it did work? Maybe it did. I hope it did. I hope that he was saying thank you because he's like, she won't accept that, but I will for her. And I have seen God move in those moments. They don't all not work. I've seen God move in incredible ways. I've had God move in incredible ways on my life because other people were willing to wake up in the middle of the night and call me even though it was weird and save me from making a terrible decision. I've seen people healed. I've heard stories of wild, incredible things. But in between that, in the middle of seeing the dynamos, are these moments of just average kindness, of just average goodness, of being willing to give out of our emptiness just a piece of bread. Not our emptiness, sorry, our just enough. And part of me wants to speak to that today. You are not empty. And I'm speaking that to myself because there's always just enough in the jar, hey? We hate that, we hate that, but there's just enough, especially if we go there trusting the God of enough. Especially if we go there trusting the God of enough. And I wanna pray a prayer over you that, that Paul prayed and then just finish up with a few more thoughts. It says this in Ephesians, it's his prayer for the Ephesians. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in it and in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, with dunamos. He may put that in you today. That's what I pray for you today. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 
according to his dunamis that we're plugged into. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I just want you to stop for a minute. And as Sarah prays, plays, I just want you to take a moment. And I want you to look hard in the face of some of the challenges in your life. Look at where you think you're empty and check, is there just a bit of oil in the bottom of the jug? Is there just a bit of flour? And have you been waiting for God to fill it up before you do anything? Because I can promise you that the God of enough will make that little bit enough to feed Prophet or to feed Murray. <laughs> or to feed your son, or to feed a stranger, bring life, and that's what being led by the Spirit looks like. It looks like an openness to being led, to be generous with what we have, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, a power that wells up in us, flows out of us like a river of living water, flows up and out and into eternity. And if you've never experienced that, If you're here today and you're like, that's really weird, Abby. It's weird and it's wonderful. Jesus is wonderful because he comes into our hearts and he breaks through in places that we know we can't change. A thousand times God has met me in a place that I know is impossibly broken, that I have no good news for. For me or for my family, I've come to Steve and said, there's no good news. And you know what? There is. There's enough. There's just a bit of oil. Just a bit of oil and just a bit of flour. There always is. I love that quote that says, you've survived every one of your worst days till now. There's actually always been enough. And if you want to experience that more than enough today, if you want to turn away from the world's habit, you know, why is that song so famous, Never Enough? If you want to turn away from that today, if you want to experience what it's like to be able to live with the kind of contentment that we, says we can be happy in plenty or in lack, I can give whether I have a million dollars or two brass pennies to rub together you want to live that way, I'm going to make an opportunity for you in a minute. But I want to pray for all of us first. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.